Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. My name is Rebecca, and I am one of the directors of student ministries here. Um, And I have the honor and privilege of speaking with you guys today, this morning, um, because Dale, Pastor Dale, our lead pastor, is on a much-needed vacation, and he is celebrating his daughter's birthday. And so he is there with them, and so I am here. Um, And I always say this, but I just want to say it again. Um, We're going to have a super fun time, but if we do not, Let's all agree not to tell Pastor Dale. Um, I want to keep my job. I like it here. So we're just going to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, So wasn't that an awesome video, right? Wasn't that a great video? So those are some of our Kids of Hope volunteers over at our West Campus. Um, Kids of Hope is our children's ministry here, and they are doing incredible things. And so here at Communion of Hope, we value our kids. And so this whole month, we're just highlighting Kids of Hope ministry. And so outside, there is um, a beautiful heart that you can take a heart, and then you can pray over that kid's name for the whole month. And so I encourage you to do that after this. Also, we need volunteers. And so if you are here and you want to volunteer, that is an awesome thing for you to do. Also, we need men. So if you're a man and you're like, yes, I love working with children and getting things thrown at me, go and do that. It's going to be so fun for you. The reason that I am up here today is because someone was brave enough to come and teach my Sunday school group, my little children's church group back when I was younger. So shout out to Mr. John. I'm sorry I bad talked you in the third grade. And so We have been in a series, and we're going to jump right back into that. And so if you want to grab your notes um, and pull those out or turn over in your notes into your phone, we're just going to look right in on this. And so we are in week seven of the best year yet. And so we have been going through, and we're not talking about goal setting. We're not talking about losing weight or drinking less coffee or no longer binge watching an entire show on Netflix in two days or like no longer like irresponsibly interact adopting chickens to surprise your mom. We're not talking about that, but instead what we're talking about is how to have your best year yet by completing your faith. How to have the best year yet by growing in your relationship with God. And so we have our theme verse, which is 2 Peter 1 through 3, and we're going to throw that up on the screen. Will you guys read that with me? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we're thinking developmentally about the gap between our incomplete faith and our faith that God wants us to have. And so we've been thinking developmentally about that. When you come to Christ and you give your life to Christ, there are things that happen, next steps that happen, that result in you developing and having a complete faith in God. Um, So this is going to be really hard for a lot of you to believe, especially those who know me, especially my students. Um, But growing up, I did, I did martial arts. I did. Um, I was in Taekwondo. 
Um, and I did Taekwondo for a long time. This is how I know that the Holy Spirit was in my life because somehow by a supernatural force, I am a black belt in Taekwondo. I promise, I prom I don't know either. I feel like I'm lying also. Like I am a black belt in Taekwondo. If you asked me right now to do a push-up, I would get down and I would have to dismiss all of you because I couldn't get back up. It would be, the, it would be nap time. If I got in a fight with a toddler right now, I could hold my ground for a second but then there would definitely be tears and they would not be the toddlers. Don't know how, it's possible, but somehow I'm a black belt. And in Taekwondo, there's this developmental progression, meaning you start off as a white belt and then you level up to a yellow belt and then you level up to a purple belt and then by supernatural forces, I leveled up to a black belt. And what Peter has to say here is that faith is the same way. He's kind of getting at the same thing. He's suggesting that to us. And so we've been in this verse, and it is a powerful verse about how to grow your faith, how to have a complete faith. And it's 2 Peter 1, 5 through 6. So if you'll turn in your Bibles, every 2 Peter 1, 5 through 6. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. Will you guys bow your heads with me? God, thank you so much that you speak to us through your words. We come to you now, Lord, asking that any distractions that are in our hearts, Lord, that you will just set those aside so that we can sit in your presence. God, thank you for preparing this message for us. God, we ask that we can just take one thing from this. So speak to us, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So the last seven weeks, we've been talking about adding things to your faith to have a complete faith. And so we talked about adding goodness. So you give your life to Christ and you start adding goodness. You start doing good things. You're taking away the bad things and you're adding goodness. And then we talked about after adding goodness, you add, does anyone know? Knowledge. And then you add knowledge because when you start to see the goodness of God, you want to know more about it. So you add knowledge. And then you add self-control. And you, you start setting boundaries for yourself so that you can walk down this path. And then you add perseverance so you can keep pressing on to the goal. And so then uh, when I was asked to preach on godliness, honestly, I'm going to be honest because I should be because I'm up here. I was like, really? Godliness? Perseverance sounded so cool, right? Like press onto the goal, run up the mountain. That sounds epic. I totally want to do that. Self-control doesn't sound as fun, but I'm a youth pastor. I talk about boundaries all day. That's my thing. I love boundaries. Don't do that with them. Don't go there. Don't hold that person's hand. Love boundaries. I would have loved to talk about that. I'm like professional on that. That's an everyday thing for me. And so when I found out that I was supposed to talk about godliness, I was like, oh, I don't even really understand what that word completely means. So I did what all wise people do when they don't know what a word means. I Googled it. Yeah, you're right. You're smart. And so I Googled it. When you Google godliness, you Google that in there, it comes up to act godly. <laughs> Y'all are dismissed. Go out, act godly. So I 
obviously Google that. What does it mean to act godly? To act godly means to have God-like characteristics. Cool, still confused, right? So I did some more diving into it and I, I, I started to really break it down and look at it. And, and really when you go deeper, godliness at its core means to be devoutly religious, devoutly pious. Well, that is not very attractive, right? Devoutly religious and devoutly pious in today's culture If we're being honest, nobody really wants to be described as that because religion has a PR problem in our culture. When you are say you're religious, it turns a lot of people off. And so you got all those uh, hippie people uh, and they're like, I'm spiritual, not religious, right? And then you have the people who are like, I am super religious, but can I be honest for a second? Some of those people are kind of jerks, right? Like, let's be real. Like, those people like, who are, like, are claiming to be super religious, they can be mean. Uh, I love uh, what Pastor Dale said a couple weeks ago. He said that he wishes that he could pay um, some people $20 for them to stop telling people they go to church, right? <laughs> right? So I'm going to take him up on that and ask him for some of that. It's right to hand out. And so... That is what godliness means at its core. And so we have to figure out a better way to understand this. There has to be a better way to understand what godliness means if we're supposed to add it to our faith. And so we're going to look back at our, our theme verse, 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. For a godly life. So when Peter was writing this, he was writing it in the Greek language. And so I looked into what that word means, godly life. And when you, when you look at that word, you find out that it was actually used multiple times by the apostle Paul, who lived and strived for righteousness and for a godly life. And he uses it multiple times. That word also, when it's used, it means to convey, the, to convey that your worldview affects your life, your behavior, and your morals, meaning that the things that you believe affect the way you live. The things that you believe affects the way you live. And so when you believe in a loving God who came down to earth, who gave his life for you and then defeated death, and you believe in that power, that power starts to change your life. When you believe in God, you start to have a godly life. Your life starts to look different. It starts to change the way you live. It changes you. And so here's how I want to frame it today. Godliness is whole life devotion to God. Godliness is whole life devotion to God. It is taking God seriously. It is having so much respect and reverence for him that you want to take him seriously and devote your whole life to him. It's kind of like when you go shopping with your mom and you're like in the grocery store and you're trying to sneak Pringles into the cart and your mom like looks at you and she gives you that, Stop it. I'm being serious. And like, you're like, okay, because like, you know, you respect her and honestly, you fear her. And so like, it's kind of like that same thing, right? It's like, if you respect God 
And so the way that you're going to live is going to reflect that respect that you have for him. Godliness is whole life devotion to him. It's a whole life of surrender. Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He did not say with some of your heart, with some of your soul, and with some of your mind. He says all, a whole life devotion. He wants every single part of your life, not just the parts that you have deemed important and not the parts that you have made look nice, but every single part of your life, he wants that. He wants that. He wants it all. He wants the shame that you're holding on to. He wants the guilt that you're holding on to. He wants the unforgiveness in your heart that you're holding on to. He wants the way you spend your time, the things you're watching on TV, the music that you're listening to, your humor. He wants every single part of you. And to live a godly life is to live a life fully devoted to him. Jesus wants it all. Here's the problem. Jesus wants it all, but we live in a supplemental culture. We live in a supplemental culture. Um, So I am a vegan, meaning I am very religious and pious. I'm just kidding. You're joking. That's a a, a, a joke. Okay, so I am am a vegan, um, and so that means that I have to take supplements. Um, There are some of you here who are going to say, Rebecca, if you have to take supplements, that means you shouldn't be vegan. I know, I understand, my dad tells me every single day, so don't tell me that later. But listen, I have to take some supplements. And so I take these supplements, um, and so... If I, like, have them, like, if I, if I miss them for the day, it's not a big deal. So, like, I, like, I wake up and I don't have my B12, oh, well, I'll get some later. Or, like, I wake up and I don't have, like, my iron, not a big deal, it's fine, moving on, I'm gonna, like, I'll survive, right? Some of us treat Jesus like a supplement, not like he's central to our lives, right? Like, if I miss church, not a big deal, I'll go next week. Right? Or, or if I haven't prayed today, or I didn't pray yesterday, or I haven't prayed in like a couple days, not a big deal. My life, my day goes on, I'll survive. Uh, I haven't been reading my Bible, uh, not a big deal. Meh. Right? Listen, we think that that's enough, but what Peter is saying is that it is not enough. God doesn't want to be your supplement, He wants to be your supply. Here's the thing, it is not about putting God first. It's about putting God at the center of your life. It is not God first on a list, but it is God at the center. It is not God and then family and then finances. It is God at the center of your family. It is God at the center of your finances. He wants to be a part of every single aspect of your life, not just a part of you, but he wants to be a part of it all. That is what he wants. He doesn't want to be your supplement. He wants to be your daily bread. He wants to be the thing that you literally cannot live without. He wants to be at the center of your life. Um, Psalms 42, 2 says this, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Does your soul thirst for God? 
I mean, um, how many of you, the first thing that you do when you wake up, and I'm guilty of this too, the first thing that you do when you wake up is you roll over and you check your phone, right? And then the last thing that you do before you go to sleep is you check your phone, right? And then like you wake up and your phone's like smashed to your face, right? God wants to be the first thing that you do in the morning. He wants to be the last thing that you're thinking about when you're going to sleep. He wants you to have a whole life devoted to him, every single aspect of you. And that is what godliness looks like. Matthew 5, 6 said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Godliness looks like a person who made Jesus, their supply and not their supplement. He wants to be your supply, the source of life, the reason that you do the things that you do. He wants to be at the center of that. So we have this, um, we have this graph that we use here um, to describe the average American kid's week, the hours in their week. And so there are 168 hours in a week 70 of those hours are spent sleeping. I am jealous. 30% of those hours are spent in school. And 67 of those hours are spent at home. One is at church. And we expect that to get the job done. Here's the thing. That will not only not work for your kids, but it will not work for us. It will not work for us. If you want to have a complete faith, that means that you have a faith that has put God at the center and not just on some list. It means that you have put God at the center of your day and at the center of what you do and what you say. It means you put him at the center of your life. And now, um, so what is the solution to that? Do you come to church every single day? No, please do not do that. We are not here every single day. But here's the thing. When you put God at the center of your life, that literally will change your life and it will change the lives of the people around you. So what is your, your next step? How do you grow in godliness? It's simple. You invite God into every area of your life. Every single area of your life, you invite God into. He wants to be there, every single area. Here's the thing, when we don't do this, we have a huge problem. When we only invite God into some areas and not all areas, we have a problem and it gets really messy and that is called hypocrisy. That is called hypocrisy. There is this powerful, scary quote, and I'm going to read it. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. It's hypocrisy. I work with students, and that is my number one biggest complaint from teenagers. As they say things like, wow, I don't know. Because people, Christians, say things. They say that, that God isn't in their life. They've invited God into some of their life, but they haven't invited him into all of it, and it doesn't look nice, right? Can I say something really challenging? There are some parents here who 
bring their kids to church on Sunday and then you have invited God into this part of your time. You might even post about it on your Facebook pages, but you haven't invited God into the way that you talk to your kids. And your kids see that. And there are some of you here who, um, your spouses, you, 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 your spouses see you and they know you go to church on Sunday and they know that you've invited him into some of your life, but the way that you talk to your spouse, God is not at the center of that. And there are, are some of you who you haven't put God at the center of your, your life and, and you put a bumper sticker on your car that says Life of Love the 561 and then I am watching you. I've seen that, right? You have not put God at the center of your attitude. You've not put God at the center of the things that you say. You haven't put him at the center of your conversations. Listen, he doesn't want just some of your life. He wants all of it. And people are watching. Your neighbors are watching. Your kids are watching. Your spouses are watching. People are watching. Jesus doesn't want just a part of your life. He wants it all. He wants your heart. He wants your schedule. He wants your work. He wants your friends. He wants to be with you when you spend your money. He wants your dating life, your marriages, your relationships, your entertainment choices, the things you eat, the things you drink. He wants all of it. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all your strength. Um, here's the thing. So I have mega control problems. I love being in control. Like, I, like, I don't know. It's something about it. I just love being in control. It's my thing. I love it, right? I just love being in control. I love making plans. I'm like, this plan, this, oh, this plan, it's going to be a great plan. I just love making plans. And so um, uh, uh, three years ago, I had a plan, and it was perfect. And my parents were like, Rebecca, I don't know, like, you know, like, don't make a plan. And I was like, no, 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 this plan, this is the plan. And I didn't even consult God on it because I was like, God, I know that this is the plan. I don't even need to ask you. This is clearly it. I've written it. Duh. It's going to work. And so the thing that I was doing is that I had created these boxes, these little boxes in my life. And I had said, God, you can have everything in this box, but this box over here, don't touch it because that's my plan and it's good and I want it. And so I created these boxes, and I had this idea of what I wanted, and I knew. I was like, God wants me to do this. Um, and so I had these plans. And so um, uh, in order to pay for college, I used to babysit on, on the island, and I did this for a long time. And so um, one day I was babysitting on the island, because I love babysitting because you can be in control, you know? So I like, was like babysitting, and I went to Panera Bread, and I ordered myself some chocolate chip cookies, because girls got to eat. And so I got back to the house, and I'm going through the bag, and Panera Bread did not give me my chocolate chip cookies. And so instead of trying to control the situation and like Yelp review them, I just was like, fine, no big deal. I'll just like open up the refrigerator and like, sure enough, there was a bag of chocolate chip cookies. Score! So I grabbed the bag and I ate seven. Yes, I know. I hadn't yet heard the sermon on self-control. So I ate seven of these cookies um, and I go and I start putting the kids to bed. So about 30, 40 minutes in, all of a sudden, I start getting real dizzy. And I'm a little confused because why am I getting real dizzy? So I'm like trying to like be like calm. Then I start hearing my heartbeat in my head. And I was like, that's strange. What's happening? And then all of a sudden time starts slowing down. It's like real slow. And I'm like, this is a problem. And then all of a sudden, like the colors, like on the wall, they're like talking. 
And I was like, oh, I don't think that this is good. Um, so um, I'm like a little confused as to what's going on. Um, and so uh, obviously what I do is uh, we call 911, the paramedics show up, the police show up. I'm fighting them because they're aliens. Um, and so I'm like trying to like control the situation. I'm like, yeah, I got to control myself. Like, like whatever. And I'm trying to fight for control. And I can literally physically feel such a weird thing when you love control and you can physically feel control being stolen from you. And so I'm trying to fight for control. And so uh, I get taken to the hospital. My heartbeat is at 200 beats per minute for hours hours for hours and um they give me medicine to counteract it but that medicine activates hallucinations and so I'm having some hallucinations here's the thing um God was not at the center of those cookies it was drugs so um (laughs) so all of a sudden this idea of control that I have is completely shattered And I hadn't invited God into my plan. So when my plan failed me, I was left with nothing. Here's the thing. When you invite God into every area of your life, he gives you hope. But when you refuse to invite him into those areas and then those areas, they get messier and you're left with brokenness, there's no hope there. And so all of a sudden, I had no plan. And I, I don't know, but it, I, I, it messed me up. Like, I entered into a time of doubt. I entered into a time of confusion. I felt total chaos, and I still didn't want to invite God into it. I was struggling with anxiety, and I was having these panic attacks and, like, this hard time. And I still was refusing to invite God into it because I was like, no, why would I invite you into this? You don't belong here. This is like too painful. And like, I wanted to have the plan. This wasn't a part of the plan. This isn't what I wanted. So slowly, one by one, I rebuilt my faith and I started inviting God into different areas of my life. I said, you know what, God, I'm gonna invite you into this hurt, have it. And he came in there and he he started to heal it. And I said, all right, God, I'm going to invite you into, I'm going to invite you into this weird feeling um, of, of embarrassment, right? Because, yo, that was embarrassing. I'm going to invite you into this. And he started to redeem it. He said, Rebecca, I just gave you a cool story that you're going to tell on a Sunday and people are going to laugh at you for, right? <laughs> and I started to invite God into my plan and I was reluctant. I was like, God, you know what? Clearly my plan was garbage. You shut that door very hard. Give me a new one. And he brought me here to Community of Hope. And he brought me here to the youth group. And now I wouldn't change a thing. I am so happy that that plan that I had was destroyed because this plan is so much better for me. And that is the thing. When you invite God into your life, he makes it better better than you could have ever imagined, better than you could have ever wanted. He makes it better. And he will redeem the mess. He will redeem the pain that you have been through, and he will make it better. When you invite God into your whole life, and you start living a godly life, and you add godliness, and you say, whole life, God, surrender. I'm giving it all to you. It's already yours. He makes it better. So here's the thing. How do you do that? Man, we all have areas in our life that we are keeping from God. 
For some of us, maybe you just didn't even realize you weren't giving God that area, right? Like you didn't even think about it. So like you've just been like, your sense of humor, you know, is a little raunchy and you haven't invited God into that. You didn't even realize that you needed to put God at the center of that. Or, or maybe um, there's some of you and it's the things that you're watching on TV. Or maybe some of you, it's the things that you're watching um, in secret on the internet. Or for maybe some of you, it is um, the way that you talk to your spouse or you talk to your family. And maybe some of you, it is guilt and shame that you've been holding on to for a long time and you're saying, this guilt and shame, this is mine. I don't want to invite God into it. Maybe there are some of you who haven't invited God into something because you know exactly what he's going to say and you don't want to hear it. Here's the thing. God wants it all. He wants the broken. He wants the messy. He wants every aspect of it. He wants the mundane. He wants the boring. He wants to be at the center of your job. He wants to be at the center of your relationships. He wants to be at the center of your heart. And so how do we do that? Um, Timothy 1.4 says, Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. When you train yourself in godliness, you will receive his promises for this life and the life to come. And that is beautiful and powerful. So it all starts by inviting God into every single area of your life. So where is that for you? And this, Where do you need to invite God into? That broken relationship that you're like, listen, this relationship is too far gone. There is no way that it's going to be saved. I don't even want to pray about it anymore. That's the relationship that you need to invite God into. The, the way that you live your life or the, the attitudes that you've been having about the world, he's like, let me into that area of your life. Man, your self-image, you're like, oh, no, I just have to fix my self-image myself, right? No, he's like, let me come into that. Invite me into the way you view yourself, the way you view other people, your judgments, or, or the way that you see others. He's like, invite me into that too. I want it all. And so I'm going to invite the, the band back up. And while I do that, I want us to think about those areas in our lives that we need to invite God into. And for some of you, maybe it is just the mundane, boring things that you just didn't even know he wanted to be a part of. Your morning commute, right? The, the, the things that you're, the, you're posting on Facebook. Um, your fear of the future. Maybe he's like, hey, invite me into these fears that you're having. You're having fears? Invite me into those fears. Your plans? He wants you to invite him into every single area of your life. And so um, we're going we're gonna to pray. And we're going to ask God into those areas of our life that we didn't even know that we need him to be in. Maybe you need to say, Jesus, I invite you into my finances. Jesus, I invite you into my marriage. Jesus, I invite you into my parenting. Jesus, I invite you into my dating life. Jesus, I invite you into my doubt and into my shame. I invite you into my hobbies, into my TV watching, into social media. I invite you into my entertainment choices. I invite you into the things I eat. I invite you into the things I drink. I invite you into my self-image. I invite you into every single one of my conversations. 
I invite you into my humor. Jesus, I invite you into that forgiveness that I need to give heed on, but I've just been holding on to. I invite you into my pain. He wants that. He wants your doubts. He wants your fears. Will you guys bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who wants every single part of us. Every single part of our lives, the parts that, Lord, we think don't even matter to you because you're the creator of the universe. How could you care about this? No, you say you want it. So God, we come to you right now knowing that we have areas in our life, Lord, where we are not living godly, where we haven't put you at the center. So God, in the quiet of our hearts right now, we're gonna come before you, Lord, and we're just gonna say, God, I invite you into, and we're gonna invite you into that area. God, we invite you into. There are some of us here who just need to invite God into our hearts for the first time. We just need to say, God, you know what? I've known who you are for a long time, but I just need to fully surrender to you. So God, we invite you into our hearts. And God, I feel like right now that there are some of us here who we need to invite you into our plans and into our schedules because what we've been doing isn't working and we're stressed and we feel like we're striving for something. But God, we only wanna strive for you. So God, we wanna invite you into that. God, I feel like there are some of us who need to invite you into our fears. We're scared about things. We're scared about the, 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 the battle we have to face or we're scared about the, the sickness or the illness. God, we wanna invite you into that fear because when we put you at the center, Lord, you make it better. So here's our life, God. We surrender it to you. We love you. In your name we pray, amen. Godliness is a whole life devoted to God. It is complete and full surrender. So invite him into those areas of your life. Invite him into those addictions. Invite him into those things that you just feel like God doesn't belong there. That's where he wants to be. He doesn't want just a part of your life. He wants it all. Um, so we have an incredible prayer team who wants to pray for you and wants to help you invite him into every area. And so go and be a part of that. Thank you guys for letting me speak with you. We love you guys. You guys are dismissed. Have a great rest of your Sunday.